0: You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex.
1: In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life, whatever that looks like for you. Hope y'all enjoy. This week, we talked to Dr. Charlie Kemp about revolutionizing the education system and what we can all do to help make a real difference.
0: Hola, hola, buenos dias. Uh, happy Monday, hopefully. Welcome to Carly's Couch, episode 200, blah, blah,
1: <laughs> Do something. Yeah, super excited to be here. Um, today we have one of my greatest friends on, uh, Dr. Charlie Kemp. Um, So I'm going to introduce her first, and then we'll get into all the playful banter. So (laughs) Dr. Charlie Kemp currently serves as the Executive Director and Chief Revolutionary Officer at Change the Tune. Frustrated by systems of inequity that perpetuate negative narratives, Dr. Kemp combined her leadership and business skills to launch Change the Tune in 2017, in which she uses music and social impact to transform the negative social-cultural narratives that impact urban youth. Change the Tune currently has programs in Los Angeles, Chicago, and the Bahamas, like five years running. Dr. Kemp believes that music is the universal language of the soul and a panacea for societal problems. She is a curator of transformative musical learning experiences that empower individuals to create positive systemic change. Utilizing education as a vehicle for activism, Dr. Kemp is driven in her desire to end inequitable systems, to create opportunities and access for underserved communities. With Change the Tune, she seeks to reimagine the learning space by creating revolutionary extended learning spaces that provide radical and transformational learning experiences in partnership with the communities that they are in. She received her BA from Spelman College, her MBA from USC, fight on, and recently finished her doctorate, Dr. Kemp in the House in Education Leadership at Harvard Graduate School of Education. She is a teaching fellow at the Harvard Graduate School of Education's Online Education Leadership Program and Doctor of Education Leadership Program. Dr. Kemp teaches a course on strategic leadership and equity alongside her Harvard Fellow or her Harvard Program Chair, Dr. Irvin Scott. Oh, that's a mouthful. But I feel like the background is necessary. The accolades are necessary. So y'all know when she says something, there is a reason and a lot of experience and education behind those things. What's up, Dr. Kemp?
2: Whoa, I'm I'm tired after
0: reading that. <laughs> I'm glad she read it because I would have been like a panache
2: well, on my, that one how, word. How, I was no, like how do you say that? No, you said it. You right. said it right. Yeah. Oh, but I would have been like
0: a panache.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about. <laughs> I don't this. know what that is. You know, some people are like, you use those big words, and I'm like, what big words? And then I you've read my bio. I'm gonna have to work on that. <laughs> no, Sorry but about
0: I think that. it makes sense. I think it's like colorful, and I think it's all pretty clear. Um, I like the focus on culture and music and education, and I feel like that's something that we've seen over well, it's probably been happening for the longest time, but um, as an adult now paying more attention, we start to see more of the importance of having to kind of meet students where they are, um, and the fact that a lot of traditional types of things are kind of wrapped in, like, respectability a little bit, which kind of gets away from kids actually being able to learn the way they need to learn, um, or a way that really reflects what their world really looks like. Um, So that's kind of what I got just out of, Carly reading your bio, so I'm like, that's exciting, Um, and excited to hear more about it.
1: Yeah, she actually, I actually left out the most colorful thing. There was an entire paragraph on how music speaks to her soul and calms her, (laughs) and she actually, there was actually two or three paragraphs that I cut out, but um, that she actually is also the best curator of playlists, so I'm actually going to commission Charlie to do a playlist for us after this, so people can also listen, because she has over 940 on Spotify.
2: Playlist? Or playlists, oh, playlists. They're not all mine, but I would say probably 600 are mine. And then the others, I'm following folks and taking their stuff.
1: Okay. Um, so I met Charlie when I was interning here in Los Angeles um, when I was in business school. And she was one of the people that made me realize, like, oh, I can actually live in L.A. Like, people from L.A. are really dope. Um, and I was working in South Central with a bunch of high schools and different things down there. And so Charlie, can you give a little bit of background in your educ like in your work in education? Yeah.
2: So I mean, part one. I I like to start actually I, I went to to summer camp at USC and then I did this summer camp till I became a camp counselor. So that's kind of where it started. So I was a camp counselor in New York, not New York, National Youth Sports Program. Um and then through college, did lots of volunteers and teaching positions, and then I actually did teach for America in New York City for five years. And so I tell people I never laughed nor cried more. <laughs> Middle schoolers will bring you to your knees <laughs> in one way or another, either <laughs> either making you laugh or making you cry. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's where I cut my chops. You know, teaching in the South Bronx and East Harlem are some of the most underserved communities in, in our country. Um, and working with black and brown youth and seeing how broken the system was, but also being able to, like, be revolutionary. Like, I I, I started with, like, playing Adele in the classroom. It was, like, right when Adele came out, and they were like, what is this? And then by the end, they were like, can you play Cold Shoulder again? How about Chasing Pavements? And I'm like, and it just created a connection with the youth. And so even though I was a pretty disciplinarian teacher, it, like, allowed me to, like, figure out, Music is a bond. Like, I can make these kids do the things, or not make these kids. I can work with the kids in doing the things if I have the right tools, music being one of them. You put a little Drake on, and they like doing the math problems. I was, you know, doing the math teacher. And it makes, I thought about myself, like, what I liked. And so trying to connect what I like and what they like, that was a big piece. And then from there, you know, I, one of the things I say is I've been all over the education space private schools, public schools. I I started off in private school as a kid, and then I went to um, public school, and that was a shocker. And so, but from Harvard to Spelman to teaching in in the hood and growing up in the hood and going to schools in the hood, like, I've been all over. And then I'll just say, after after, uh, teaching, I did, I worked for Green Dot Public Schools. And so five years doing that, it was leaving, you know, everybody's like, charter district charter district it's all broken let me just be clear on that and it's like if any of you've ever read every a lot of people have heard me say animal farm the system replicates its brokenness so we say that we're going to be different and we look up and we're just the same thing and so greened out I first did finance and operations for them and so I was working in partnership with LAUSD around the facilities around the school nutrition program who knew we use the same vendors that prisons use at times like So, you know, when we think about we are what we eat and what we're putting in our body and, like, can kids be successful? And they're not eating the food so they can't be successful because they're hungry. I remember I had this kid. He was, like, bouncing off the wall, like, up and down. And we found out the next year when they took the time to stop, he was hyperglycemic. And, like, his blood sugar wasn't regulated. But how many kids are popping hot Cheetos and these (laughs) things? And so... Green dot did that and I saw the back end operations and then I had the chance to do social emotional learning which is where we really got to connect cuz we got to build out our summer camp and I had came up with the idea for change the tune and that's like allowed me to like pilot entrepreneurially what it looked like but you know the the when you talked about respectability politics and like how our system is structured where we only cares about, like, math and English and writing, which are important things in a way, but, like, what's important is how they're used, not necessarily mm-hmm. can a kid perform on a test, and that's the problem. And so that was a roundabout way of, I've been all over the system, mm-hmm. and it's pretty, it's, it's, and even at Harvard, like, I tell people, it has been the most amazing experience, and it's also originally known as the corporation. Like, it was based off the back of slaves like when we think about who the first Native American who the land is stolen from when they got to go there and so like it's the system's replicating itself and it's time for it to stop it's time to like disrupt some things
0: okay so I had like 30 questions from that but <laughs> I'm gonna a reel it down right now I guess to Um, You mentioned a couple of things, um, looking at diet and the food in the school system, um, being able to um, make sure we keep, like, the arts and cultures in schools, which I know a lot of schools are cutting art and music programs as well. Um, In what ways, if we just had to kind of straightforward kind of list some of them out, in what ways would you say the education system is broken? (laughs) I mean, even if it's just like in these areas or maybe I don't know, maybe it's just like everything's just messed up. But But
1: she got the data to articulate that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll try to be brief in this because that last answer was really long and I want y'all to stay engaged. But part one, I want you to know this number. I I want six thousand hours and I'm a six thousand hour gap. How do we get there? Kids spend 80% of their waking hours outside of school. And if you were a parent Mm -hmm. at home in the pandemic, you realize, like, that 20% matters. Mm -hmm. Um, But 80%. The upper income spend nine times the amount of the low income on outside of school activities. So by the sixth grade, there is a 6,000-hour gap between Mm -hmm. upper-income children and lower-income children. I'm a math teacher, so I'm going to break it down for you a little further. It's 1,500 hours in a school year. So 1,500 times four is 6,000. So we're talking four school year difference by the sixth grade. That's like half of elementary mm-hmm. that they are ahead or like there's the, there's the gap. And so what I tell people is when you think about schools and education, you think about 8 to 3 September to June, but we can make those perfect utopias and we wouldn't touch this gap. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the first broken piece is that the wealthy understand That learning doesn't stop at three. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stop at that school building. Learning is a lifelong journey everywhere. In in this moment, we're learning from each Mm -hmm. other. And so that's the first piece of the brokenness is we think that learning has to happen in the confines of a space Mm -hmm. and place from a dictated way.
0: Can we talk about that first real quick? Okay. So the first thing that that made me think about was when I was in grad school, um, I stayed with this family. um, And I got to stay there for free. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> um, I was down in the, the bottom level, um, but they had like four kids and they were a wealthy family. They were like, hey, you can just stay here if you just can you help us like get the kids to lacrosse sometimes? So I was like, sure. Um, but I was like, these parents ran their kids like, they were their managers. Like they had no time. I almost kind of felt bad. Cause it's like, they went to school, they went to lacrosse and they had the tutor. Then they did this. And they went to that. And it's like, they literally were doing homework at like 9 30 PM and then go to bed. And I was like, I've never seen anybody do the most like that. And yet I feel like that's what you mean when it's like, okay, we're going to make sure you're doing things and, and they're socializing more and they're experiencing a lot of other things. Um, all of which costs money. And, um, all of which involve parent involvement that you can't always have when your parents are working or, you know, have more
2: responsibility. Um, but then I also think about... Just stop right there. Think how much money that family spent. hmm Thousands. And if you're underserved family who's maybe making two or three thousand mm-hmm. like you're just trying to pay the rent you don't have all that money to put your kids in all yeah. those places
0: we was doing the most just being able like I know for us they always wanted to have one activity so like I did dance for a while my brother went to karate class or whatever and so now thinking about it it's like man I don't even know how much that stuff is but there's a lot of things we didn't do because you know how's that gonna work out um so I, I also think about though how I am fortunate to have parents where so I was also homeschooled for three years. But I have parents who, you know, everything we did was like learning experience. And so I kind of grew up as a nerd because I was like reading encyclopedias for fun because I like enjoyed learning um, and everything was like a field trip. And, you know, we were always doing things. And I feel like that's one of the things I appreciated most is that they at least instilled me wanting to learn and wanting to read and explore and all of those things, which, again, I see can be tough for families and kids where maybe they don't see their parents as much. Maybe they're more influenced by the environment and the people around them. And it's like, that's kind of whack. Why are you doing that kind of stuff? Um, and there's a lot of factors there. Um, but whose responsibility can that be? Should that be the school, the school system, the education system's responsibility to, to help with those hours? Awesome. Or is that a life that's like a inequity thing?
2: question. I think it's, I think, you know, one of the powers of, what you guys talk about is this holistic nature and community and collective. And it's, you know, the old saying when we were growing up, people would be like, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, it's the village. It's us. It's schools. It's politicians. It's businesses. It's everybody's responsibility, really, to yeah. be quite frank about it. I would say it starts as a school at the school in our governmental system. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, another fact, like, probably... Eighty to ninety percent of the funds in the in the, in the learning space go towards mm-hmm. the school day, but if kids are spending eighty percent of their time after school, we need to be shifting our policy. How much do we spend on defense? Mm-hmm. That's the last time we had a fight, if we stopped poking at people, we, we're going left. <laughs> but the point is, is like, could we invest some more money in the education space? What are some ways businesses, Fortune five hundred companies? if we got them to give 5% to the education space just for after school, and we love to say there's not enough talent, so let's say we decide everybody needs to invest in this talent pipeline, that would be probably like 50, 60 billion at least mm-hmm. to go to the space. And so if you are a person and you're working at work, like could you volunteer once a week, even once a month to create some level of consistency? It's really the collective should be thinking about what mm-hmm. ways, if we want to have a better world, how can we all get involved? Because education is the profession that creates all other professions. Education is what socializes us. Education is mm-hmm. where it all starts. And we don't get no respect. <laughs>
0: Not no money, no respect. Um, but also to say that it's like a collective thing. I think that's one of the main issues with the country in general is that we're such an individualistic country and such a country run on dollars that we don't have that sense of community outside of certain, maybe like our neighborhood and things like that and our church or whatever. Um, there are sub-communities where we do feel like that, right? Where I know, again, going back to my family, it's always been a, hey, if you see my daughter, you know, feel free to pop her hand. Like, you know, everybody look out for everybody and we're we're making sure we're good. But in general, we don't care about that. So you just said how the- can anything happen?
2: I don't mean to interrupt you, but you just said the second, like, that's my, like, Part one, I go into the numbers. Part two, I go into the individualistic, individualism side. That is the piece mm-hmm. that's broken in the education system. So you guys familiar? That's like
0: why that? nothing moves forward, though, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like who, it sounds like a thing where it's like, do we have to write our congressman? Or like, how do, you, how do you get people to care about a thing unless you're affecting dollars in some way?
2: I think it's a couple of things. I think one thing I'll name, everybody's up in arms about SEL, but we're teaching kids to care care about things so they out here protesting social emotional learning social emotional mm-hmm. learning yeah so kids are out here protesting because they learned how to care about the things mm-hmm. and others and so their parents don't like that because they're in their parents ear like yeah this privilege is not cool
0: you saw those white people talking about um like why are we teaching empathy in the classroom like <laughs> like do y'all hear yourself sometimes it's like but but if you have reframed the question or if you were acting like empathy for a different type of thing or like, you know, even saying it differently, empathy they would answer differently. It's like people are just too scared. Just just be bold and say, I don't want them learning about this. Black people, I don't want them learning about what white people did. I don't want them to learn certain things. Like, just be straight up about it because, like, it, it just blows my mind how much things don't make sense or how people think they make sense. And it just doesn't. That's so frustrating. And then they'll have all the, the power to do whatever.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: I was about to say. So, um, another thing on that that people are always up in arms about is Charlie talked about holistic health and wellness, and on the vouch. we talk about that a lot, like you know mindfulness and things like that. I'm from Oklahoma. I went to a private school and a public school, and I teach yoga and mindfulness and social emotional learning to kids, and have you know for quite a while, and also teachers and administrators on how to put that into their curriculum because we we are well rounded people. We all have emotions and thoughts and need tools in our toolkit to learn to deal with them. Um one of my teachers who was my first and third grade teacher went on a whole Facebook rant and was talking about how meditation was the devil and how she can't believe that they're (laughs) making um, you know, how is it, you know, supposed to be separation of church and state. Girl, you work at a Christian school anyways, but like (laughs) saying it's the devil and all this stuff. And I was just like, yo. I teach it. If you ever have questions, like it is non-religious. it's You could actually focus on Jesus if you want to. You could make it that. Um, but I think that is is also part of this. Um, you were going into something else about the individualistic systems?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to this point of, and, and connecting to that, is like such a lack of knowledge. So... And you're a teacher. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. Come on. And she taught me you, why you don't know how to
0: look up things and research.
1: <laughs> bro. Bro, but then those people teach us. Those are the people that have been teaching us our whole lives. But
0: <laughs> we go we get mad. But I'm going to I'm going to let you talk again, Dr. Kim. <laughs> but also when you look back at it and you're like, uh, especially your elementary years, you're like, oh these these folks were like 21, 22, and I don't think about me like I might have been more closed-minded or whatever about certain things at that time too, but I don't know, bro. You shouldn't be no teacher being closed-minded like that. But nah, I, I nah, guess bro. we
1: need a teacher. Ain't no excuse. Mine were older, but they're still set in their racist, closed-minded ways. Mm.
2: It's it's a challenge, I think. So, let me this piece I want to break down first in terms of, and I think this is part of how teachers are not educated. So teachers mm-hmm. haven't been educated, just like our kids haven't mm-hmm. been educated. And so yeah. coming full circle to that is what I would say is, so there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is meaning, like, at the base... You gotta have like your hunger needs met and your safety needs met and then your love and belonging, all these things, all for the goal of self-actualization or success. Everybody wants to be successful. Q Dre, I just wanna be mm-hmm. I, not we, not the collective. And so that's the broken piece is a few things. One, all of those layers, one in four children come to school hungry. Two, we think about bullying and how teachers act and start calling something they don't even know the devil. And so how are you creating a space of love and belonging for all? Three, 90% of the teaching forces. So I can just go on and on. How are we supposed to get to self-actualization and success when that whole system hasn't been set up? But the other piece shifting, Maslow spent six weeks. Everybody hear this. Maslow spent six weeks with the Blackfoot Nation. And they had what do you call a teepee? And in their teepee, it was self-actualization is at the bottom. It's then community mm-hmm. actualization in cultural perpetuity. So we wonder why our earth is dying right now. Mm-hmm. The individuals in the eyes are considering this success when really, no, it's about community and cultural perpetuity so we can continue going on. And so they realize that it's not about the self. There's an African proverb, I am because we are. We can't be if we aren't each collectively together thinking about each of us. And then one more piece, another – I wish I had my visuals for you. I have a whole <laughs> slide deck. But the an, there's another indigenous model called the Medicine Wheel Holistic Model. And this is in many BIPOC communities, but it's the idea that it's multi- multiplicity. It's that it's not – food first, it's not love and belonging first, it's you need all of these at the same time to be able to push forward like if you think about whoever you think, who do you guys think are great leaders name two people <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll say you two as leaders okay. but for you to get to the place where you've been, it hasn't been just let me work on math and science or let me just feed myself well or let me just mindfulness and and, and you know pray, it's the collection. It is the collective activity. And so, when we're designing learning spaces, first of all, not everyone learns the same way because they have they have different things they need. And two, it should be centered on what is good for the whole child and the whole community. It's an and world, which also we can go down the scarcity mindset and, and path. But the the big point I want to make is to, that you made and amplify is that we are too individualistic what would a world look like and i'm going to bring us to change the tune. One of our big things we do with kids is we teach them about the sustainable development ga- goals by the United Nations. And those goals are like 17 goals of what's wrong with the world. Zero poverty, the goal is to like have zero poverty, zero hunger, eradicate the climate issues that we have, the issues we have with animal extinction. And so what would it look like if we centered our learning on not just ourselves, but actually our communities and our collectives and what it takes for us and the collective to be better. So that's like the part of the biggest problem is we are centered on things that like don't matter.
0: But I remember in fourth grade, um, being obsessed with like recycling. Cause we were learning about the hole in the ozone layer that joint probably don't even exist anymore. If it ever did, I don't know. <laughs> my, skin
2: <But> <laughs> my, my skin is real dry. Right now. <laughs>
0: so like I, I feel that it may be more and more of that, those types of things being learned or taught or put into children's minds to think more about this bigger hole. But I remember like we learned some of that stuff too, but then it's like, I feel like we get to a point because the whole, everything is so broken that then that doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you you can care you can want the best for everybody and care about those things until you feel like you realize there is no support for those things or until you feel like um, you can't really make a difference there and or trying to work in that space doesn't help you feed yourself or you know all the other things that like have to go into it.
2: It can feel like that at times. I won't lie. I mean, even doing change the tune and a movement and whatnot. Like, it feels like, well, people don't care enough about education, or there are so many competing issues in this world. Like, why continue? Mm -hmm. But I think that's also part of what they want you to think. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys ever watched DJ Collins on on the snap, but he's like, they don't want you to Mm -hmm. know these things. That we have infinite power. And that when we unite, it's like, go-go Power Rangers or the Justice League. Our team the other day was naming each other. I'm apparently Nick Fury. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But (laughs) <laughs> the point that I'm making is that like, no, I think they want us, to, it's it's kind of like the divide and conquer. It's they want you to feel alone, they want you to feel. But like this here is community. And when the community starts doing things, we see changes. And we have seen some changes. I think whatever your politics are, I think Barack Obama being a black man president, that's a huge change that we've seen. We've seen some shifts in this world where even change the tune, like our kids. We have kids, we say, What did you learn this summer? and they're like, I've learned to think bigger. Or kids have actually started their businesses and begun Mm -hmm. to actually make some money. We had one kid during the pandemic. She took her mom's stipend and used it for feminine products for those in a homeless community based off the project she did in the summer. And so change is happening. I think we are also conditioned to look for negative things Mm -hmm. instead of finding the positive and, like, amplifying that Mm -hmm. because then that's when we get that, like, avalanche of positivity going.
0: Well, we don't really get clicks on positive stories unless they're like the stories where it's like, wow, look at this kid who walks 20 miles to school every day. And that's not actually a positive thing. Um, So, and which also still to me goes back to the human condition of like, okay, let me see what's the drama and the messiness and all that. Right. Um, But to your point, I think it is like, what you, it's what you look for. Um, it's what you care about, it's what you choose to amplify I wish there was just a way to like sprinkle some dust on everybody get them on the same page, you know just about about caring are. about people
2: I would say, like this morning I saw this video I don't know if you guys have seen this it, Because of Them is a page on Instagram mm-hmm. yeah. they, they got, they got probably millions and it's this kid mm-hmm. who just got it into Harvard and at first at in the first piece it's like no to Princeton, no to Yale and the mom, I love the mom, she's like manifesting it, and she's like, we gonna get what we looking for and then he opens Harvard and they go nuts. Mm-hmm. And apparently he got into Brown and somewhere else as well. And like people are sharing that and we're seeing it. Perhaps it's the algorithm. I mean, we do know social media is a little jacked. So we have again, I, I wonder how much they're trying to control our narrative to make us think that people don't care about these things to like replicate that.
1: Well, we knew that from the elections too, like back on Trump's like first thing, they were showing like how drastic the different Facebook pages were and things. But also mm-hmm. I'll say Algorithms also show you more of what because I do think there is something behind the scenes, but they also show you more of what you're looking for. So if you are looking up messy stuff and drama, you're gonna do that. So I think something important is if you, you know, do feel hopeless or like things can't be fixed or like what was me or what the hell is going on, whatever, to kind of set your life up in a way where you're looking for something positive. Like I follow a bunch of positive pages and things like that. And so I actually feel sometimes refreshed, more so on TikTok than other platforms, but it kind of is like whatever you're looking for.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to amplify, I mean, I got Octavia Rahim and the Nat ministry, so my page, maybe that's what's Mm -hmm. happening. I will say, though, um, I was at a conference last year and social media is highly broken and highly problematic. So what I learned is there's a class out of Stanford where a lot of these platforms were designed and they basically studied the psychology of addiction and they've used Mm -hmm. that for social media. So that said, like, and they've also talked about how like the bots and different things are taking over the social media piece. So definitely, I think an imp- I mean, we're going down a whole thing, but I would say that like we can't rely on like the way social media is constructed. I mean, what's what's the guy's name who's running Twitter? Oh, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. Lusky. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Um. So going back to the education system being broken. So we talked about individualism. What was the other really big point that you had?
2: The numbers and the way that it, and and one other piece I want to say, it's not just, you know, rich and poor, non-white school districts get about $2,200 less per pupil, or don't quote me on it, but it's like $23 billion, and so it's a race thing too. We know that race is tied to economics, and so, like, Mm -hmm. the system as itself was never designed for all, Mm -hmm. and these are just some of the pieces. One, the individualistic, the model and the way in which we do it, and how it's steeped in Eurocentricity and oppression, and then the second piece is really even just the number structure of how it's set up. Mm-hmm.
0: I had an acquaintance who worked with the Department of Justice, and I was kind of blown away. This is actually probably ten years ago now, maybe more, um, that we had talked about this. But I was blown away by the fact that he would be traveling to like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, because there are like lawsuits against schools, or like there are literally like schools who are not. You know, letting certain people in or they are like holding money from certain schools and all kinds of things where it's like they're, it's really like just as cut in and, and dry as you just said. Like, it sounds like it's one of those things where it's like, you well, know, black people always want to be a victim and things like that. But it's like now they are literally look at this school and look at this school and parents. I remember something about suing a school because parents didn't want certain kids transfer to be on the football team because then they would start winning if they had the black people on their team and like all kind of stupid stuff and it's just like so unfortunate and then you look at the numbers of where some of those states rank in education which is the very bottom and you know how how can those things change like so let's kind of talk about um maybe on a bigger scale how can some of those things change
1: you think is it political one second so charlie what's your quote about systems
2: (laughs) Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Mm-hmm.
1: And so with that being true, that these were being designed to keep people out, to keep people down, to oppress people, and these broken ideologies, like can it even be fixed or is there something that just needs to be completely
2: abolished and like restarted? I'm on the blow it all up train. I'll say that. Like some people don't love that. I I, I hear people cringe, all, oh blow it all up. Yeah, blow up. Yeah, what that does that look like? Load shit up. I don't know if we can curse, but <laughs> yeah, blow you can. It up. Sure, yeah. Um what it looks like is, you know, I think one analogy that I love to give it's actually Tyler Perry, however. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what Tyler Perry said. He said, while everybody was clamoring for a seat at the table in Hollywood, I went to Atlanta and built my own. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, he has a billion-dollar industry over in Atlanta. Now, there is, there's a danger always because how much are you replicating the same mm-hmm. system even in Atlanta? So I just have to name that. But at the same time, too, He wasn't clamoring to do what they did and he still has his own separate system structure and so I think using that as a metaphor in a sense I think that's why I'm focused on after school and summer no one's like testing after school and summer which is part of the biggest brokenness is the accountability system is broken if you if like what your metrics are or how you collect evidence is broken then Mm -hmm. that's going to, like, the reason why people don't put money into after school and summer, again, is because we're not testing, we're not, and these things all, it's like all of a cycle. So I think, one, even if it's not after school or summer, I think, you know, there's, you mentioned you were homeschooled. There's unschooling schools where families are starting to get together and create pods. But I think creating alternative learning spaces where children can get all of the things that they need whether that is a summer camp, an after-school camp, a spring break camp, a winter camp, and thinking holistically, like, what are we feeding these children? How are we, you know, part where Carly and I linked up is mindfulness and yoga. We ground, they start giggling when they start, and now Mm -hmm. they're like, well, can we do this pose, or can we do that pose? Or during the pandemic, one of my favorite stories was Carly was, one of our learners reached out to her and was like, you know, this pandemic is hard, but you taught us how to breathe. And so I think... Imagine every kid, which there's more than twenty five million without access to after school program. Every kid got an after school program, and so I think on a systems level, if you're a parent, you should be reaching out to that to your principal and to your government, thinking about like we need after schools, and not just. There's also the other problem I just have to name with after school itself and summers. Sometimes they're holding spaces, they're enrichment spaces, mm-hmm. and they're spaces where they're safe spaces. Um, and that's not enough. We need to be intentional. We need to be creating leaders. We need to be creating thinkers. Um, one of, there's a James Baldwin quote, but the idea is that, it, and also, there's a couple people, but we when a, when you really get true education, you start to look at your world with a critical lens, and you start to want to make it a better place and fix those things, and so on a systems level, whoever we're voting into office needs to be working on giving us more money in education and different standards, and I think, For our families, we need to be advocating to schools. We need after school, we need summer programming, and it needs to be high quality. And then for corporations, we need to be thinking about what does it look like to build different spaces? We know that we have a huge steam gap. Like... Why wouldn't we be investing in schools right now in more innovative, fun, joyful programs that can create the leaders and thinkers to to solve the things? Because we think COVID is bad, but it will only get worse. And so it's really important that everyone on every level, community organizations, churches, churches have, we've partnered with churches before, they have a lot of power. Like creating these messages and actually creating these programs can be really powerful. And then thinking about the finance behind it. One of the things we do in our big goal with kids is to actually make their models create a level of income for them. I mean, we can get into the capitalistic side of things. We're not trying to go there. But, like, if we can create self-sustaining models where, let's say, kids make their own uniforms or kids build gardens for the community and they're able to charge for that. Like, thinking systemically, how do we integrate this as a part of what can help us to thrive, I think can be part of the process. And then one big thing I left out, not telling people or designing for people, co-constructing with them. If I'm going to come into South Central Los Angeles, which was where we go, the first thing I'm doing is asking the kids and the parents and the families, what is it that you want to do? And using their voice to construct.
1: I want you to keep talking about that a little bit and how you create a program. So Change the Tune operates currently in Los Angeles in the Bahamas and in Chicago. What was the difference in Chicago?
2: Chicago, is, I mean, each one of our markets is very different. on name, but Chicago is focused on real estate. Actually, um, the partner we had there. You know, we are we exist on the West Side. Um, we've been internal at Collins Academy, and you know the uh, what's the song "Broken Glass" everywhere. And like you think about like the location and and a lot of abandoned buildings, and so. The vision there, there's there's probably the violence rate is probably more. And so thinking about the space that they have and wanting to renovate the space that they have and the interest of the learners has really been able to shift what it looks like. And then also they were in a maker space. So we were able to design and do some things differently. And so hearing from them, we focus more on like tradition. I wouldn't even say traditional business, but it hasn't been a real estate focus. And, and in Chicago, it's real estate and also tech. Kids are really interested in tech. And so just thinking about they have a 3D printer and, like, what does the model look like in 3D printing your prototype and and robotics and whatnot. And so thinking about what are kids' gifts, what are they like, and how do we marry those together?
1: I love that. And also thinking about um, economically how it's different. I remember, so in L.A., we have a four-week summer camp. But in Chicago, they were like, y'all want us to take four weeks off when I'm supposed to be working and saving money for my job? So it had to be a shorter program, and they actually had financial compensation to show up every day.
2: Yeah, that's, that's another level. Like, each landscape is different, and you have to be able to make sure that you can meet the needs of the community. Like, one of the challenges in after school and summer is that time is valuable. You want me to spend time with you when I could be doing, there's a whole lot of things <laughs> I could be doing, which include making money. Uh, and so, yeah, like, we have to show people why learning is valuable and, and create a valuable learning experience for them.
0: Um, how would you address these two questions or perspectives that if, um, like, hearing you talk about all the these cool things that the program and programs can involve for after school or in the summer, like, okay, who's paying for all this? How are we paying for all this? And then, two, what would you say to like, well, we need this quality aftercare program. But people saying, like, well, why are we putting so much into that after school when the school is messed up during the day, right? Or, like, we should, you know, I feel like people would think, like, let's put more into the school instead of um, it's like, okay, you're going to school all day just so you can actually learn how to learn after school.
2: Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of things. This learn how to learn. Like, I think there's a power dynamic between the school day and after school. I think the school day thinks we know how to get kids to learn although data says otherwise and I think after school we look at different evidence collection systems and we do things differently and so I think there's a lot that the school day can learn from the after school I was gonna say do you
0: feel that you want to get like people into these after school programs and sold on after school so that what happens there is what replaces the school day Um, I mean like this is a way to throw it in there and test these things but like hey guys this
2: works better I think that unfortunately again this point that like schools are are they're answering to tests like when people are evaluated at the end of the year they're looking at their test scores they don't usually necessarily get like this is this but like a principal is the, the school's test scores that's what they're held accountable for that said, in after school, we're looking at things like culture. We're looking at things like social-emotional learning skills. We're looking at more holistic elements, attendance. that And attendance matters in the school day. But I think that right now it's very one way that school influences after school. And there's not a lot of places where after school influences the school day. And I think if we use them as learning spaces for each other, like, for example, in schools, there are some learning structures that are helpful that after school could learn, and in after school there are some joy learning structures and some fun and some project based work that that is done. Um, there's a professor of mine, his name Joel Mehta, and he wrote he wrote a book is called Deeper Learning. And what he did, he went around the country. I don't know, I'm saying the number fifty, but like they visited like fifty schools across the country. And what he found was the deeper learning happened outside of traditional school spaces, lunch nutrition in the morning after school summer that's where deeper learning happened because there was more time there was more space there was more flexibility for learners to really dig into what mattered to them and so yes I think that there's a lot of opportunity to have that exchange which is another way we can implode the system to create something new
0: but then how do we pay for it how do we because already, for- like, for example, so many teachers, you talk about, um, like, they pay for just for, to have school supplies sometimes. Or if you want to do something, actually, you see that joke where they're like, that pizza party at the end of the year and, the, and the slices hands are mad small. Hands but, like, those are the things that's like, this, you know, this is what the kids are looking forward to. But where's the support for that? So how can we support after school?
2: There's multiple ways. I think. One way that we're thinking about is if we turn our after-school program into a business itself, then it can generate some level of revenue, and then that can fund a portion of the work. I think secondly, I think the government, going back to the government and how we fund our country and where we allocate our dollars, we need to shift some dollars to after-school. If kids are spending 80% of their waking hours outside of school, whatever you're spending in that school day, you need to be now shifting and matching that at the minimum – so that we can actually create more equitable spaces. And then the third place I think that is super critical is businesses. Businesses, and actually, I'll get into foundations, sorry. But businesses, again, oil companies, gas companies, steam these medical companies are making mad money. And, like, but then if we look at the, like, 90% of Fortune 500 CEOs are white. If we look at the top, who's on the boards? Who's leading these companies? And then we say we don't have a pipeline. But what if we actually invested right now to make sure that learning was a place and space where kids could sustain themselves and make it to this place and it wasn't designed for this view? That would be billions, just 5%. If we got every, like, all the top 500 companies to give us 5% of their profits, billions we could have. And then the third, I would say, is foundations. So there's this, there's this wave around decolonizing wealth Think about how this country was formed, slavery, all of the racist practices. This wealth is not some people's. And it's time to, you know, philanthropy is trying to shift, but it's shifting very slowly. Like, the goal of philanthropists, honestly, if you ask me, should be, they all should want to be out of business in the next 20 years. Gates, next 20 years, you should want to get that money out there to the people because right now we drop breadcrumbs and expect big changes And we wait to see these traditional metrics of, well, how are the kids' test scores? And we're like, that's not what we're measuring here. And also, just like you look at long-term growth on a stock and that's what matters to the long-term play, then these are long-term plays that you have to invest in and invest in big right now. And so I think the three top ones, even if we don't put it on the children to make the money, like businesses, foundations... Um, and our government should be thinking about shifting how we fund. Mm-hmm.
0: And it is nice that I see more and more of certain corporations um, trying to have programs. I'm saying trying because I don't know how like awesome they really are. But um, creating programs and providing money for students or for kids doing stuff after school and things like that, right? Because there's so many black and brown kids or kids in different communities that – uh, they can build things and they're smart and they can, they know how to um, uh, create worlds and metaverses and all these things. But because you test it low, like you just kind of fall off, you know, from everybody. And so um, I, I do see some re- investment back into that. Um, the last question I have for you then is just even to like our listeners, to any given person, what would you say are some, I don't, I don't I hate to say easy, but like what are some very digestible things that we could do to support change in education whether that's supporting programs like change the tune whether that's um maybe a way to follow or get involved politically or um what
2: i think the first thing is an easy i'm just gonna shameless plug you can donate to change the tune so like a hundred dollars a month if you donate it would pay for a kid's summer camp that's like twelve hundred dollars a year but $100 a month, we throw away $100 a month on all the things, coffee maybe. Um, but like $100 a month, or even if you can't afford that, even $20 a month pays for snacks or a learning kit. And so there are small donations if you have any level of disposable income and you're like, let me just take a little tweak of my privilege and like make sure a kid has a chance for a new learning opportunity. And even if it's not changed the tune, but if you know of a local after school or summer program that you know that's doing good work, donate that's a very simple you don't have to give your time because we know time is valuable moving to time i think volunteering Um, at change the tune we take volunteers kids love to learn from other people other (laughs) meetings and so is there a local ymca boys and girls club school that you can volunteer is there a regular consistent commitment that you can give up time um and then the third thing is i think you know civics are you voting for how are we creating petitions signing petitions getting our 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 leaders to be able to say we need to shift this so we're getting ready one thing I'll say we're getting ready to get we're approaching a fiscal cliff during COVID we got a lot of money for the after school and education space because of like everything shutting down that money is running out in this next year basically and so once that's done right now we are still stuck on like how are their test scores doing and what did we invest in in these traditional ways, but we haven't learned that that's not okay. Like this is a long term bet in the trauma and things that happened three years did not cover enough. And so just again, advocating that like as we go to the polls, as we go to elections, if you have any political friends, education should be what we're talking about.
1: No, I think those are amazing. Um, Do you have any, I guess this is probably my last question, any words to people who are like, yeah, it's broken, it doesn't matter anyways, like I could donate, but still nothing's going to change. Like what would you say to the people who might still be stuck on the negative? Like it's so broken, there's no way we could do anything.
2: This is the utopian side of me, but this quote came up. You know I got quotes for days. Um, And I don't know if any of you guys have heard this, but what if the cure for cancer was trapped inside a learner who couldn't afford or have access to a quality education? So, the you know some of the cures, some of the world things have come from one person. So you providing quality access for one person can be transformative for our world. And what if we all just did for one other person? And so, you know, it might feel like a, a mustard seed, but one of the things we do is gardening, and like you plant those seeds, and you look up, and you'll have a wildflower garden. You'll have a garden that you're able to eat from. And so I would say, plant the seed. It's gonna grow. It's gonna grow.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Kemp. I feel like I learned so much, and I work with Change the Tune. So shameless plug again, (laughs) I work with Change the Tune. We're um, summer programming. Please donate, come volunteer, come hang out with us, ask questions, and reach out. Um, But we do a shout-out every episode. And so this episode, what would you like us to shout-out? Where can people find you? How can they support you?
2: Sure. So on IG at Change the Tune, Facebook, Change the Tune, and our website is changethetune.org. Um, if you want to email me or get in touch with me, my email is Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-K-E-M as in Mary, P is in Paul, at change, there is no the on this one, changetune.org. Um, I'm sure we'll put it and tag it in the in the document, but please feel free to reach out. Happy to connect, collaborate. We didn't even get to talk about how we partner with so many people and we don't do this work alone, which is part of this How do you partner and not try to do the work alone? So thank you guys for partnering with me today. And to
0: speak of partnering, um, some of the last things you were saying, I like and thought were very important that um, you are not just trying to do all of this yourselves, but like you have to get other people invested um, so that they feel a part of it as well and so they can actually see um, the work going on. So we want to thank you for even creating Change the Tune, for caring about the kids, caring about education, um, and for, like, reaching out and supporting the people. Or so for, in our case, it would be, like, supporting you, and hopefully listeners can support you, but the people who are actually in the work. So, like, sure, we might not feel like things can change And maybe more realistically, just feeling like "Mm, that's not the most important thing for me to help to see anything quickly, but really like supporting the people who know the numbers, know the quotes, know all the things, have the have kind of a plan is, you know, how you can easily support because you don't have to know how to do everything. You just help find people and amplify the people who do. Um, So I'm really glad that we did get to talk uh, with you today. I know Carly has been saying, we've been saying over and over, like, we really need to talk to you. And then, like, if we were having a um, a podcast on education ourselves, we probably would have just been ignorant as hell. So thank you. <laughs> we'd have been like, so uh, this one blog post said this. Um, but it's so nice to hear somebody who, like, this is your life. So it's very easy for you to explain and to to break things down in a way that's very helpful today.
1: And you mentioned having a um, a deck. So if you want to share any resources, we will also put those in the show notes. So if you feel like this was a catalyst for your change of thought or you actually just want to see the numbers, um, you know, numbers, people, numbers are money. So those are important. Um, we will also link that in the show notes. And then I'm going to end with a very Charlie question um, today. So I'm going to shoot it to you first. We always have a question of the week. Charlie, what song do you feel like today?
2: You know, I was... I was like, I hope there's an opportunity to say this. Today is April 1st, so wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month. Get up, get up, get up. Send food, us some April. checks so we can go on.
1: <laughs> there we go. Um, man, that means rent is due, though, so make sure you pay that rent within the next two, three days. Um, I feel like walking on a dream, and I think that's Empire of the Sun, on it, it's just like a nice vibey song. I was driving along um, the highway today, this morning, to and just like vibing. So that and then like a catronada type vibe. My songs real
0: random. Um, so the first song that's in my head right now is um what's that Michael Jackson song? Gotta leave that nine to five up off the shelf hey. <laughs> and just enjoy yourself. Off the wall is that off the wall? I gotta sing the whole song just to remember what the title <laughs> is. <laughs> um but li- living off the wall um but mostly today i do gotta do a lot of cleaning and restructure and think about things but kind of trying to do that in a fun way so that's what i'm thinking about
1: yeah, so thanks again dr kemp y'all hit her y'all check out change the tune hit us with any questions at carly's couch let us know what you thought of the episode what you learned because i know y'all learned some stuff because she was dropping facts and all kinds of data and statistics um so hit us let us know and i hope y'all have a beautiful week